I'm reading from Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21, when Jesus feeds the 5,000. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the shops and the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus replied, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. We've only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Amen. And the second reading is from Acts chapter 5, 12 to 16. The apostles heal many. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them, on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Amen. Last Sunday night, we had uh, Jill Gifford at sort of an additional E2 type service, um, and a couple, a couple of good examples of the slightly odd way God sometimes works, I guess. Um, she was she sort of led us in preaching, and she was talking about sort of some of the things that perhaps get in the way of us being able to get closer to God, and we were sort of, and then there was a time of prayer. And lots of people were, were prayed for and people went down in the spirit and all sorts of manner of things happened. Um, and it was, it was a really good, really good night. Um, I was praying that God would help me to read my Bible more often. Um, not necessarily a bad thing to ask for. Um, I guess no matter how often you read your Bible, it's probably never really quite as often as you'd like. Um, and 
one of the things I've been doing this last week was reading Acts and then listening to it because I've got an audio Bible as well that I can listen to in the car sometimes. Um, when I prayed on Sunday night for God to help me to find more time to, to read my Bible, what I didn't expect then was for Ethan to wake up at quarter past six on Monday morning um, instead of his usual nine o'clock, <laughs> which meant that I had plenty of time to read my Bible before going to work on Monday morning. Um, and then I having been going back and forward in the car for a few days instead of going on my bike means I've had more time to listen to it, which has been good. Um, and then I had my car booked in for a service on Thursday and they said, it'll only take about an hour, do you want to wait? Okay, then I'll, I'll wait. And then Elaine contacted me on Wednesday and said, could you take the service on Sunday? So it's like, oh, good, I've got an hour free when I should be sitting waiting for the car which then took two hours instead of one hour. So I had plenty of time to, to think and to pray about what I was doing. And I've been reading Acts quite a bit this last week. And one of the things that struck me while I've been reading and listening to Acts is that it seems like everywhere the apostles go, people get healed, left, right, and center. Signs and wonders, as it quite often says in various versions of the Bible. Various miracles, healings, massed outpourings of the Holy Spirit, thousands of people becoming Christians. God's Holy Spirit really touching people through these predominantly men, apparently, um, but there were women as well. And I thought, is that, is that what coming to church is usually like for us? Do we, do we, do we often see massed healings and miracles and thousands of people clamoring at the door to come in because they want to join us. Um, in the reading that we had, there was a bit where it said no one dared to join them while they were in Solomon's colony. That wasn't because they were scary and a bit standoffish and a bit cliquish. It was because they were being persecuted at the same time, left, right and centre. And yet, despite that, thousands more people still said, actually, even if it comes with the risk of death, this seems like a good idea to me. Those of us who've been to Spring Harvest or Soul Survivor or things like that, quite often there are events or there are times when God's Holy Spirit really moves and people are healed or people are touched by God. But I've never been to an event where someone just brought sick people out so that the preacher's shadow would heal them. You know, reading there where it said people used to bring their sick into the, into the street because Peter's shadow fallen on them was enough for them to get healed. That's a fantastic outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. So why? Why doesn't my shadow heal people? Why doesn't Adam's shadow heal people? That'll teach you to laugh. <laughs> why don't our shadows heal people? Why don't we heal people a lot of the time? Never mind just our shadow. Why doesn't God's Holy Spirit seem to be bursting out all over the place? Or is it and we're not noticing? Is it, as some people perhaps say, that that was then and this is now? And times are different and that was kind of like the big bang of the church and it was 
young and it was fresh and it was spreading and it was going everywhere all the time and everyone was curious and people wanted to know and they were much more receptive to God's Holy Spirit and God's Holy Spirit needed to do more to get it up and running quickly and going and spread. And that was, that, that was what was needed then and it's not as important now. So God's Holy Spirit's having a bit of a rest perhaps. Just isn't quite as active. I really hope not. I don't think so. I don't think now is any less important than any other point in time before or since or in the future. I don't think God's Holy Spirit is any less active now than at any point in human history. So what's different? Is it us? Do we not expect to see God healing people? Did we come this morning expecting people to fall over and people to be healed and miracles to happen? Andy's preaching, it's bound to be miracles and healings and even I didn't expect that. Do we expect God to work through us like that? I've just said, I didn't expect to come to church and heal people and perform miracles. I did come expecting that God would speak to us through me through what he's led me to say but maybe I put limits on I limited God's Holy Spirit to say I just want to speak I don't want to heal anyone I want to perform a miracle but the Bible says that we can it's not a different Holy Spirit that's up working through us now than worked through Peter a lot of us like Peter, when we read the Gospels, we can relate to Peter. He's the one that sticks his size nines in it on a regular basis, who just seems to act without thinking, who one minute is proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah and the next minute is saying he's never heard of him. There's a lot of, there's a lot of us look at Peter and read Peter's life and, as it's described in the Gospels and think, yeah, I'm a bit like that. One minute I'm, I'm all for Jesus and the next minute people are challenging me on it and I'm saying, who's he? Never heard of him. Don't know. No, you confuse me with someone else. And yet, same man, not some other bloke with the same name, the same man would walk down the street and people would bring the sick people out so that his shadow could fall on them. Earlier in Acts, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. I can't remember the rest of the song. I confused it with little Tom Horner. Anyway, Peter and John went to pray and they met a lame man who had been brought out to be healed. Well, no, he'd been brought out to ask for money. And he saw them. And Peter said, look at us. So he looked at them and he said, oh, I need some money here. And they didn't then have a discussion. It doesn't say Peter and John then said, hmm, should we perhaps try and heal this gentleman? We have no money, but perhaps we, could, perhaps we could offer to pray for him and see if God will heal him. No. They looked at each other. Peter looked at the man. He said, I haven't got any money, but I will, get what you, I will give you what I have got. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Grabbed him by the hand, pulled him up. Up he stood. Off he went, leaping and praising. Leaping and dancing and praising God absolute faith 
Now, it's easy, I guess, to say, well, Peter saw Jesus do it. Peter saw it firsthand. He knew it would happen. But the disciples regularly, when Jesus was with them, couldn't do it. The Gospels are full of times where Jesus sends them off to do something. They come back and go, we, we, we tried getting that evil spirit out and it wouldn't go. And Jesus does it. They must have learned some lessons while they were going. But they had absolute confidence. Peter didn't, Peter didn't say, as I said before, Peter didn't say, well, we'll try healing you. Peter didn't pray for him and then say, do you want to try standing up? Maybe just, maybe just crouching first. Don't, don't, certainly don't, don't, don't go dancing. Just, you know, absolute faith. Not scared of failure in the slightest. Is that what holds us back? Are we scared to fail? I think maybe we are. Maybe we're scared to get people's hopes up. Maybe we're scared of saying to the lame man, I'll give you what I have got in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk, just in case he doesn't. We know God can heal him. We know God has the power to heal him. Just not entirely sure that he will. If you pray for someone to be healed, but you haven't got the faith that they will be healed, is it any surprise that they're not? That's not the same as praying for someone to be healed and not being sure of whether God will heal them. And that's where we all struggle, isn't it? Because we know that God has the power to heal people. But for every person that we know, or every story that we know of someone who's prayed for and been miraculously healed, we can probably tell stories of about 10 people or a dozen people that we've prayed for and God has chosen not to heal them. And that's where we struggle because we don't quite know when we pray whether God actually wants to heal this person or not. We just know that he can. Who could we look to for inspiration? How about Jesus? Jesus, unsurprisingly, was very well in touch with the Holy Spirit and with God. And when Jesus prayed, he was praying for God's will to be done. Even when it came to the point of him praying for it in the Garden of Gethsemane, God, if there's another way to do this, if there's another way of bringing salvation to the world that doesn't involve me dying on a cross, that would be a good way to do it. But not my will, yours. When we pray, when we pray for someone to be healed, is it because we've heard that someone's ill and we don't want them to be ill? Or is it because we feel that God has led us to pray for them to be healed? When we pray, sometimes we need to ask God to help us to put aside our own desires and to help us to pray in the Spirit, to help, to help the Holy Spirit to guide our prayers so that we're praying for a release for the Holy Spirit to be able to work. A quick straw poll. 
If you're able to, could you please stand up if you wear glasses? Blame me, we're a short-sighted bunch, aren't we? <laughs> okay. If you're quite happy wearing glasses and have never wished that you didn't wear glasses, you can now sit down. You sure? Right, so if you wear glasses, but you'd really rather not, sit down. Sorry. No, stand up. Stay standing up, yeah. You confused me now. Dearie me, never walk with children and animals and Adam Severby. So the people standing up are people who wear glasses, but really would prefer not to. Yeah? If you've ever prayed for God to heal your eyesight so you didn't have to wear glasses, stay standing up, otherwise sit down. So if, you've, if you have never prayed for God to heal your eyesight so you didn't have to wear glasses, sit down. Have you ever prayed for God to heal your eyesight? You have, right. Have you, yeah? Mark, have you prayed for God to heal your eyesight? Good. Did God heal your eyesight? Um, Thank you. You can sit down then. Adam, I'm not sure I need to ask this question as you're wearing glasses. but No. Okay. Mark? Okay. Thank you. You can sit down. Yeah? No. No, I'm kidding. The people who didn't pray for their eyesight to be healed, why not? Never occurred to you? Seem a bit trivial to bother God with? A bit pointless? Hey? No, I've never prayed for God to heal my eyesight. Yeah. A lot of people like wearing glasses. A few years ago at Soul Survivor, what was that? Just aphids, yeah. At Soul Survivor a few years ago, there'd been a, a session where folk had been praying and whatever, and then the following night, Folk had been sort of feeding back stories of what had happened, and Mike Pilavachi, the guy that leads Soul Survivor, was reading them out. And, and one was a young person, I think it was a young person, it might have been an adult, a person who had prayed for God to heal their eyesight. They wore glasses, and they'd prayed for God to heal their eyesight, and God had, and now they didn't need to wear glasses anymore. And I thought, what a waste of a prayer! What a trivial thing to pray for. Getting your eyes fixed. That's a bit vain, isn't it? Get laser surgery. But I don't know what God's plan was for that person. Maybe they're a pilot now. And they'd never have been able to be a pilot if they'd worn glasses. Maybe God just wanted to make me think about what he can do. 
Sometimes it feels a wee bit like we treat prayer as if we've rubbed a magic lamp and a genie said, you've got three wishes. We don't want to waste them on daft things like praying for parking spaces or praying for glasses. The other day when my car had been in the garage, our work, if you don't get there by about 20 past half past eight in the morning, you ain't getting a parking space. And you're parking in Vicky Park and walking up through Latchford to work. So at half past ten when I'm rolling into the car park, half an hour late for a meeting thanks to the garage, I'm thinking, I don't want... I, my initial thought was, there's no point in even trying the car park. Let's just go straight to Vicky Park. No, no, we'll give it a try. I don't want to park in Vicky Park and walk up. Please, God, let me be a... Oh, there's a space! Fantastic! Thank you, God. Why not? Why not pray for your eyes to be healed? Maybe it isn't important. Maybe God won't heal your eyes because that's not part of his plan for your life. And I said to Rachel last night when I was sort of writing all this out, it sounds a wee bit contradictory. I've just sort of said, you need to pray in the Spirit and you need to ask the Spirit to guide you so that you're praying for the right things. And now I'm saying, just pray for anything. Go on, eyes, car parking spaces, whatever. God wants to know what's important to us. God wants to bless us and give us good things. Jesus said it himself, if you who are evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will God give to you and God give to those who ask? And that came right at the end of the bit where he said, ask and keep asking 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 and and you will receive. Seek and keep looking 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 and you will find. Knock on the door with a battering ram and smash it down. And it's open! Hurrah! Sometimes God wants us to pray persistently for things because he wants to know how much we, how badly we want it. Maybe that person who prayed for their eyes to be healed had been praying since the day they found out they needed to wear glasses and had said, God, I don't want to wear glasses. God, I really want to be a pilot. God, I can't wear glasses. I need you to heal my eyes. Please heal my eyes. And that was the 365th time they'd asked. And God said, I guess it's important. Yes, I'll heal them. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just the first time. Maybe someone felt led. I don't think God wants you to wear glasses. I think God wants to heal your eyes. Shall we pray for that? Yeah, let's pray for that. Seems a bit daft, but yeah, let's pray for that. Are we worried sometimes that my prayer for a parking space has now deprived someone else of an answered prayer? I was at a Soul Survivor uh, Momentum weekend and someone was talking about how the Americans don't have this problem. The Americans will quite happily pray for everything and for an abundant outpouring of God's Holy Spirit at every opportunity. And the British say, I don't want to be greedy. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just have the one prayer today and then we'll, we'll see how it goes. And do you know why the difference is? Because we had rationing during the Second World War and they didn't. We grew up and it's, it's, I never had rationing. But we grew up and it's in the British psyche, perhaps the European psyche, that there isn't quite enough to go around. 
families grew up, and still today, parents have to make a decision between eating something themselves or giving something to the kids to eat. There isn't quite enough to go around. The Americans have never had that in a lot of cases. Certainly during the war, there was plenty to go around. They didn't have to ration wheat, sugar, anything like that. And so they still have this idea, there's plenty to go around. I guess that's, they still think the same about oil, and that's why they're not worried about building fuel-efficient cars. There's plenty to go around, it'll be fine. Oh, there's not quite enough. Every prayer I have deprives someone else. Not true. Not true. Look at our first reading. Jesus feeds 5,000 men, plus the women and kids who weren't important enough to be counted. How much did Jesus feed them? It says everyone ate till they were satisfied. And then the disciples went round and picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Some people try and tell you that this isn't a miracle. This is just an example of people being shamed into sharing. Because in some accounts of the story, it's just a wee boy that comes with his pat lunch and says, I've only got five loaves of bread and two fish that my mummy sent me with. But I'll give them to you, Jesus, and you can feed all these people. And everyone looks and goes, oh, maybe I should share my lunch too. Well, it doesn't quite stack up to a reading of the passage, does it? The disciples said, it's getting late. We're miles from anywhere. People are hungry and they're complaining. Now, if you're hungry, you eat your packed lunch or Adam's chocolate on the way to France. You eat what you've got with you. You don't sort of moan that I'm hungry. Give me your food. So there's one reason why I don't think it was people sharing their lunch. And secondly, unless the people of Galilee in the first century AD were in the habit of carrying around shed loads more food than they actually needed for themselves, where did the 12 baskets of leftovers come from after everyone had eaten enough? Jesus provided, Jesus miraculously provided enough food for everyone to eat until they were satisfied. And then, enough that there was 12 baskets of leftovers. We can see where Jenny gets her inspiration for catering from, can't we? <laughs> Always make sure there's plenty to go around and enough left over just in case Mark's lingering. My name is Adam Sowerby, if you listen to this on the tape. There is plenty of God to go around. You can have enough of God to completely satisfy you. And it will not deprive anyone else in the slightest. And even the last person ever to get enough of God to satisfy them won't have made the slightest dent on the amount of provision that God's got available to them. He created the entire universe for crying out loud. I think he can manage to listen to your problems and to help you to be healed. Prayers are not magic wishes. They don't run out. You don't have to worry about wasting them on something trivial. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Don't be scared to ask for things. 
But when you're praying with someone, just ask God to help you to put your concerns to one side. Ask the Spirit to guide you what to pray for. Be bold. Don't be scared to fail. The disciples failed plenty of times before they got it right. God is big enough to use you and to use your attempt at praying for someone and what feels to you like a failure and still work through it. God isn't surprised when you pray and it doesn't quite work because God knows what you are like. He's been there before. He's seen it before. He turned Peter from a bit of a chicken into someone whose shadow could heal people. And remember that God's provision is without limit. Nothing is too small for him. Nothing is too big for him. Do you want a chance to find out? There's a healing service tonight, half past six, here. If you've never prayed for someone to be healed, come and pray for someone. You won't know until you try. There's no magic formula. If you read the accounts of the way Jesus heals people in the Gospels, everyone is different. He doesn't heal deaf people one way and blind people another way or whatever. Every account of Jesus healing someone is different from any other account. There isn't a magic formula. Jesus knew full well that if he did the same thing every time, we'd all be doing the same thing. And we'd all be putting our faith in the method, not him. Come along tonight. Come and pray for someone. And maybe be prayed for yourself. But come to pray for someone. We're all friends. We're all family. Nobody's going to get ridiculously upset I'm not going to get ridiculously upset if you pray for me to be healed and it doesn't happen. I might be disappointed. But it's just that God's plan is not for me to be healed right now. You'll learn more by trying than by staying at home and watching reruns of The Voice. Half past six tonight. I look forward to seeing you all. I know it's short notice, don't worry. But please, don't be scared to try it. And besides, Sally will be here tonight and she'll be able to explain everything a lot better than me. And even if you don't want to pray for someone, it would be good to come and pray for someone, but even if you don't want to, but you would like to be healed. And healing isn't just physical. Come along tonight and we'll pray for you. And God will heal you. He wouldn't have said that. Even. <laughs> I'm still a wee voice in the back of my head going, maybe, if he wants to. God will heal you. Because God can heal you. Speaking of need of healing, brings us back to the band, doesn't it? Being prayed for. Let's find out if all those prayers this morning worked.